Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Let's ride. Decided before each and every game here at Dodger Stadium. Take it away, Finn. It's time for Dodger Baseball. What's going on, everyone? Thank you for tuning in to the Incline. I know it's been a while, but we're finally back, and wow. There is a lot to talk about. A lot of news has broken in the last couple of weeks. So why don't we start off with the biggest trade right now in the NL West, and that's Nolan Arenado getting shipped out of the Colorado Rockies to the St. Louis Cardinals for a package of players. We'll talk about them in a minute. But Jake, David, what do you guys think of this trade? It's insane. <laughs> um, this, this trade – while we knew an Arenado trade was inevitable, just reading the tea leaves of it all, I didn't think that the Rockies would be this dumb to give up essentially the best third baseman in baseball for not a lot in return. They didn't get one top five prospect, and they are doing a lot of the heavy lifting for the Cardinals by paying a big chunk of Arenado's salary I'm happy that he's out of the NL West but to be honest the Rockies were never really a threat anyway so no. keeping him in the NL West wouldn't really have done much I you know either way I think now he's actually more of a threat on the Cardinals if we were to face them in the playoffs yeah I agree my, my one word for this move is poverty uh, I mean it's it's truly pathetic that the Rockies you know had to trade their their best player, their franchise player, maybe their best player in franchise history outside of, you know, Larry Walker. Uh, it's just sad. It's honestly sad for baseball that that teams have to do this. Uh, we saw it with Boston uh, last year, uh, Indians trading Lindor. Uh, in terms of the Dodgers, though, I agree. I, I think the Cardinals are, you know, obviously they got better. Uh, the Rockies were never a threat to begin with. I still don't think the Cardinals match up in the top five of, of National League teams. Uh, so this is kind of a, a non-factor in my mind. Uh, 
Uh, Nolan Arenado is a great player. Uh, people wanted him on the Dodgers, but the Rockies were never going to trade him uh, to yep. the Dodgers. As we've said on this podcast, at least I've said on this dumb. podcast. Um, but honestly, it's just, I, I feel, I feel for Rockies fans because it's, it's truly a pathetic, pathetic franchise move. Yeah, I mean, the difference between the Lindor and the um, Betts trade is this isn't a financial situation. This is literally them giving all the leverage in the world to Arenado by not only giving him a no-trade clause, but they also gave him an opt-out option after this upcoming season. And, you know, you can make an argument for either side, but who knows if Nolan Arenado is really going to opt out of that huge, massive deal. I mean, there's some other uncertainties that we're probably going to talk about, but I mean, a strike could be looming in the upcoming off season. And, you know, Arenado would be opting out of a lot of money. I think it was six or seven years around $190 million. Is he really going to leave that on the table? I don't know. The Rockies have financial flexibility. They could have gone out there and acquired starting pitching Instead, they traded Arenado for this embarrassment of a package in left-handed pitcher Austin Gomber, Mateo Gill, Yilharis Montero, and then two right-handed pitchers, Tony Losey and Jake Somers. As Jake already said, none of these guys are top prospects whatsoever. And I also agree, I'd rather Arenado be stuck on a really crappy Rockies team than him go into a potential contender now in the Cardinals, who also have Paul Goldschmidt. Right. And also one of the things I read was that they're trying to um, now focus on, you know, locking down Trevor story, their franchise shortstop. And if I'm Trevor story, after trading away Arenado, what incentive do you have to stay in Colorado? Unless they give him a ridiculous contract, you have to think that story may be on the, on the way out too. Right. Yeah. I mean, I I'm a, I'm the biggest Trevor story fan there is, uh, you know, if the Dodgers don't find a way to keep Seager, I would love Trevor story. Uh, but now I'm reading reports that saying they are going to try to lock down story. And if you're Trevor story, why would you sign there after, yeah, after seeing what, what, what happened with, with Arenado, uh, there's no future. They have no pitching. They have nothing. Why would you sign there? I, I don't understand it. I mean, he's going to get tons of offers. Uh, Yankees are going to be lining up. I'm sure if the Dodgers, like I said, don't get Seager, they'll be lining up, uh, I don't see Trevor story wanting to play there. Yeah, that's a very interesting one. I'm sure that's going to unfold as the off season of next year progresses, but they've made it clear. They said they're not going to trade him. I don't know how much to read into that, but the last thing I have to say about this subject is that Dick Monfort, you're a fool. You know, the Dodgers could have given you a way better package than what you got from the Cardinals. I get it. You don't want to trade him to your division rival, but you're in a worse situation now. And I'm, I fully believe the Dodgers could have given them way better players, whether it was a Gonsolin or Ruiz, but whatever, Dick. That was one of the worst press conferences I've ever seen. Oh my God. I, I've never seen anyone make themselves look worse ever there. It was a PR nightmare. You should PR public relations classes should, should show that and, and say, this is what not to do. It was that bad. So we're on Trevor Bauer watch I know you guys have been following it a little more closely over the last few hours than I have. So why don't you guys break down where we're at right now? Okay. Well, according to Rachel Luba, her, his agent, her, uh, herself, 
it's down to two teams and everyone's saying it's the Dodgers and the Mets. So we're just going to go with that because, you know, all the reporters are saying it. So I think it is down to the Dodgers. And the Mets. Apparently, uh, according to Mets beat reporter, Ed Coleman, uh, the Mets quote, the Mets are close to signing Trevor Bauer and the offer is three years in the vicinity of 93 million with an opt out after year one. Uh, we don't know any specifics on what the Dodgers offer may be. Uh, but I think it's safe to assume that it's going to be a higher AAV and shorter years. So probably a one or a two year deal. I think that's where we're at. Uh, you know, it's tough with this weird dynamic of Rachel Luba on Twitter saying this is true. This isn't true. And John Heyman going back and forth. Uh, but I think this info uh, is is pretty uh, valid. And I think we're going to get a decision here in the next 24 hours. And there are some conflicting reports. Speaking of John Heyman, he is reporting that that the, uh, the offer is three years believed to be close to closer to $100 million. So there are some cl- conflicting reports out there. The one thing that you aren't seeing is any reports from the Dodger camp. And that to me is pretty, pretty on brand with the Dodgers. They don't really let any of those leaks go. Andrew Friedman keeps it pretty tight. So until the Mets officially sign Bauer, I'm not going to buy into any of these rumors because you never know with Andrew Friedman what could happen at the last minute. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of eerily similar to Bryce Harper, just real quick. This is giving me serious Bryce Harper vibes when, you know, the Phillies are the favorites, but watch out for the Dodgers coming in late. It's kind of, I'm kind of getting the same vibes here. Yeah. And the other thing is, before you go, Kevin, is that Trevor Bauer is someone that the Dodgers don't need to win another World Series. So they have, they have leverage there. Um, I think Trevor Bauer may want to come to the Dodgers more than the Dodgers want him to come to LA. Yeah, completely Um, agree. And so that, that's an interesting uh, point to start your, nego- your negotiations, right? Because it could be the case where, you know, the Mets are the ones that are, are aggressively pursuing him, but, you know, he wants to come home. He wants to be a Dodger. And so it, it's an interesting uh, dynamic that's going on right now. Yeah. I mean, since you just brought it up, the Dodgers 40 man roster is full. So they have to get rid of somebody in order to land Trevor Bauer, which I want to ask you guys then, do you think any of the current guys in the rotation, they would expend them and maybe move them on elsewhere? Or do they do a six or seven man rotation? Well, before, before we get to that, I have a question. So is, is the 40 man full right now without Justin Turner? Yep. Okay. So if they signed either Justin Turner and or Trevor Bauer, they would need to drop two players. Yes. Yeah. I think, yeah. Okay. But I mean, keep in mind, there's guys on the 40 men roster who, you know, while talent, while they may be talented, they're, they're also expendable. Uh, you know, it's nothing against Josh Spores, uh, you know, Dennis Santana. It's going to be, you know, guys like that. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, I think there could be a trade. I think, you know, if they do get Bauer, if there's one guy in the rotation, that's, you know, maybe on the, on the trade block. Uh, I think unfortunately it's Gonsolin because I don't think you're going to get a team who wants to take on David Price's contract. And yeah, and they're not giving up on May. Oh no. Um, and the the other the other thing is is that I've heard reports that Bauer wants to pitch once every four days. Yeah. So that would kind of go against any of the reports or ideas that maybe the Dodgers are going with a six man rotation. So I, I don't know. I mean, we these are all just kind of specul- speculative and, and rumors. Um, but man, that's a that's a strange. It's a strange ask for a starting pitcher to want to go four on four days rest every every outing. 
He's a quirk, quirky dude. He really is. Uh, I mean, I don't know if he's going to, you know, get the, get his wish there. I don't, I think that's just, you know, something he is saying he wants to do. I don't think that, you know, the team is going to necessarily adhere to that. Uh, and I think if he signs with the Dodgers, he knows that the Dodgers are going to be making the decisions, not him. Yeah. I mean, all that I'm not really trying to think about right now. It's more of just the matter of, yeah, it's down to the Dodgers and the Mets um, but the thing that kind of just makes me think the Dodgers aren't going to be as in on him is just because they're already at their, the luxury tax line and they'd have to pay taxes for going over like the soft salary cap or however you want to phrase it. So I don't know what they would do. You know, I kind of disagree. I think a team would be willing to pick up David price only because the Red Sox are paying half his salary and you get a pretty, um, established veteran in price. I don't know which team would necessarily take him, but I know the angels need pitching and they have money. I know this is selfish of me, but I kind of want to see David price pitch as a Dodger. We've not seen that yet. He opted out last season. I I would love to see what he has left in the tank. I agree. And I think we're going to get that chance. If I had to guess right now, I think Bauer is going to New York. I I don't think the Dodgers are going to pull this off. I don't think Andrew Friedman is going to, go over what he's comfortable with and what ownership is comfortable with. And I think every fan owes it to him, you know, owes, owes Andrew Friedman their trust because uh, he's built this team pretty much perfectly uh, as we saw last year. So whatever happens, you know, the Dodgers pitching rotation is going to be just fine. Uh, I would like to say one thing on these fans uh, who despise Trevor Bauer. Can you guys shut up? Seriously. I mean, we, we get it. You don't like him. You know what else? We don't care. He's a baseball player. He's not running for president. He's not running for Congress. You don't have to like him. He's out there to pitch. Okay. Uh, I've seen this like massive campaign from these people to like, you know, at him on Twitter and at the agent on Twitter saying, don't come to LA, blah, blah, blah. One, I promise you, they don't care what you're saying Two, just stop it. Like you're just embarrassing yourself. And it's, it's honestly sad to see, like you cannot like a guy, but to like continue to show everyone that you just, hate him you're not doing anything you're not going to win the nobel prize i'm sorry to break it to you move on with your lives he's a baseball player had to get that off my chest well spoken okay so here we are in february and what a lot of people thought was going to be a layup return has been the complete opposite and i'm talking about justin turner is still a free agent we don't know how many teams are in on him you know apparently the dodgers are still the front runner whether it's three or four years, Turner appears set on that. Meanwhile, the Dodgers are standing pat. They're doing the right thing and continuing with their two-year stance, which I agree with. I don't know if you guys do. You can probably touch on that in a second. But I think two years, $16 million annually, that's the right deal for Turner. And we're just a few weeks away from spring training, so I don't know how much longer he can hold. Yeah, it seems that – it seems like – it should have been done a lot sooner. Not really sure what, what the holdup is. Um, maybe they're, they're seeing what happens with Bauer first, but I mean, who knows? We're not, in, we're not in those negotiations. We know that, you know, if Turner wants to win another world series and he's maybe signing his last contract in the major leagues, um, you know, you, you can assume um, the Dodgers are the best option for him to do that. And obviously he's well-established here. He's the captain of the team. Um, not really sure what the holdup is, but uh, hopefully they can get that done. 
and you know we can we can look forward to to this season because right right now it's sort of like you know it's it's a drag uh and this whole off season's been weird and a drag and it would be nice to you know i don't really care one way or the other about trevor bauer but i really do care about justin turner and i really do um hope that he comes back i agree my here's my theory uh, and I think honestly, this is the most logical one out there. Not to you know put, pat myself on the back too much, but I think the Dodgers are waiting for Bauer to decide. Uh, I think they're waiting to see if he's going to take their offer or go to the Mets. I think that this is all financial. I think they're going to try to get their financial, you know, the books straightened. Uh, I think they have two contingency plans uh, with both uh, Turner, you know, ending up a Dodger in, in both of them. I, I, I truly think this is the case. I, there's no other. Where are the suitors for Justin Turner? Uh, the Blue Jays were one. They signed Simeon. Uh, the Brewers were rumored to be one. They just signed Colton Wong to play possibly third. Who else is going to sign him? I, I just don't see him going anywhere. I think this is strictly a let's see what Bauer does. Let's see what our finances look after that. And then we'll figure out which contract we can give you. Uh, I think it's inevitable that Turner is a Dodger. I just don't see him going anywhere else. Well, here's a question from a fan favorite at intern Phil if Turner signs elsewhere do the Dodgers push harder for a trade or do they stick with who they have like Edwin Rios I like Edwin Rios but for the Dodgers they need another right-handed bat and they would need, they would need another right-handed bat if they got Justin Turner back you know in addition to him um, so while I do like Edwin Rios and I, and I think he's really, you know, a nice bat and he's has a lot of pop. Um, I, I don't think I would be too comfortable with him starting at third base every day. Um, especially since we, we've also, we also lost Kike Hernandez, another right-handed bat. I just think the Dodgers are a little too left-handed heavy at the moment. So, yeah, I mean, if Justin Turner does the unthinkable and goes to another team, I think the Dodgers have to consider getting a third baseman, whether whether that that's exploring Chris Bryant again or exploring Eugenio Suarez. Um, those are the guys I would I would target. Um, hopefully, they you know would be able to to swing something. But that's that's in the you know unlikely case that Justin Turner does not return. I think with spring training two weeks away, I think they're just going to roll with what they got right now. Uh, I could see. I don't think the Indians are going to trade Jose Ramirez. I think that's a pipe dream. Uh, I don't think the A's are going to trade Matt Chapman. Uh, so Chris Bryant would be the, the next logical and pretty much only other option in terms of an outsider. Uh, I, I, again, I just don't, I just don't see a scenario where they don't bring back Turner. Uh, the suitors have dried up. Uh, where else is he going to go? The nationals possibly, but they got Carter Kaiboom, who's a super high prospect. They've been waiting to give playing time. Uh, the Braves, if they want to move uh, Austin Riley around, uh, I just don't see it. Yeah, I mean, you've listed all the potential suitors. It only makes sense for Turner to return, but if he doesn't return, you know, my pick for third baseman, I think, will be Chris Taylor, and he's a yeah, right-handed. Yeah, that's a good – that's an interesting thought right there. He's a right-handed bat, but he's also going to be on his contract here. Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe he'll be playing for that money. I do think Edwin Rios would be the platoon option against right-handed pitching. But uh, we just don't know enough about Rios yet to make him the everyday starter. You know, he could be an Adrian Beltre or he could be a Luis Cruz. We just really don't know. Yeah, I hadn't, I hadn't even thought about playing Taylor at third base. That's an interesting It's an interesting thought if, you know, for some reason, which I can't see, Justin Turner isn't a Dodger. 
Yeah, the, I mean, the only drawback there is that if he's your everyday starting third baseman, that kind of cuts your, you know, not your leg off, but like it kind of it kind of makes it a little difficult because you know Roberts likes to move Taylor all around the diamond, and I know we got McKinstry um, who can play everywhere, but um, in terms of a, a right-handed bat yeah. uh, to bring off the bench potentially, you know, you you lose that with him starting at third. Yeah, I mean, guys like DJ Peters and Zach Rex, hopefully they could step up then. But, um, yeah, I mean, if, you know, I'll just float this scenario. I know it's super, you know, early for him to be up, but if there's no Turner, it wouldn't shock me to see Cody Hosey at some point in 2021 type situation. If there's no Turner, I could see it happening. Also, I think I think the Dodgers are in a place where if Justin Turner doesn't sign, they don't get Bauer or, or whomever, right? I mean, they're, they're still the favorites to win the NL West. And even if they're not, you know, number one or number two, depending on how the Padres do, they can always, you know, pull a rabbit out of their hats at the trade deadline and, and bulk up for the playoffs. So um, I'm not, not too worried there. Yeah, I like the Cody Hosey suggestion. The internet cut out, so I'm just going to repeat his name. That's what David was suggesting. He's one of the Dodgers' top prospects, first-round pick. So I don't know if he's ready yet. You know, losing the minors last season definitely hurts players' development. But if he's ready, maybe he is a surprise fill-in. But uh, speaking of other former Dodgers, I'm just going to list them off right now, and then you can touch on them, what your thoughts are. Kike Hernandez is going to the Boston Red Sox. Pedro Baez is going to the Houston Astros. Alex Wood is going to the San Francisco Giants. And um, Jock Peterson Peterson. is going to the Cubs. The Cubs. All teams I don't like. So it's hard for me to root for. (laughs) It's hard for me to really root for these guys. But of those four players I listed, who do you think is going to have the biggest impact with their new club? I think it's going to be Jock. I love Jock Peterson. I always have. Uh, I think he's going to have a good time hitting at Wrigley. Uh, hopefully they, I mean, they, if they let him hit against lefties, which, you know, the stats show that they probably shouldn't. Uh, but if he gets all those at bats, he could hit 40 home runs. I could easily see it happening. Uh, I don't know if they're going to start Kike every day in Boston. Uh, Pedro Baez to Houston, who knows what's going to happen there. And I love Alex Wood for what he did in the, in the world <laughs> series, but I, I wouldn't, you know, I'm not, torn up about the loss in terms of production uh over the season yeah out of all those teams i'd say that the the cubs are probably the the closest to you know being a being a contender uh i think jock peterson really helps them a lot i mean yeah you could make the argument about houston but i don't know what kind of impact you know pedro Baez is going to have uh on that team uh i think i think jock peterson definitely has the most impact on any of the uh the former dodgers that we've seen leave I like Kike Hernandez in Boston, although Boston is just not, you know, looking like they're going to be a contender this year. Um, I think I think one of the contingencies, though, of Kike signing with Boston was that he was going to get um, some, you know, an everyday look at second exactly. base. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and you know, he he wanted a, a certain number of plate appearances. So we're we'll we'll see what he can do with a, you know, pretty much for the first time in his career. I know the Dodgers gave him an opportunity a couple of years ago, but, but it didn't really pan out. So this is really his first real opportunity to, to start on a major league club. Yeah. The, the problem with that is though, when, when you agree to that, let's say he just can't hit, he sucks for the first two months. Are they going to keep playing him? I don't think so. Well, so I think, I think that that's, that's determined about, by his play. It's about the opportunity. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, he's going to get plenty of opportunities. Yeah, I, I would. I would say that if that if he was playing for the Yankees or some someone like that, or or the Dodgers or the Braves, yeah, I think they would remove him. But if if Boston's not making any moves, I don't see what what, what the point of removing him from the starting position would be. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, we're gonna do a round of Jock Peterson because I also agree. You know, actually, one of the reasons Jock Peterson chose the Cubs too because he had a lot of suitors is that they're gonna give him at bats against both right-handed pitching and left-handed pitching. Can he do it? I don't know. But David Ross is going to present him that opportunity. And Jock is essentially betting on himself. Hopefully he has a breakout season with the Cubs. He'll then re-enter the free agent market, and then he'll get a nice payday if he delivers, which is exactly what his plan is right now. And the White Sox will offer him a contract again because nobody <laughs> loves any other player more than the White Sox love Jock Peterson. For the last they, five years, yeah. they've tried to get Jock Peterson. They offered him an $11 million contract this year, turned it down, waited the market, cost him a million bucks, but now he's in the other Chicago team. But don't worry, Jock. The White Sox will be after you next year. Cost him $4 million, actually. Oh, was it, was it a, a 15, year, $14 million? A one-year $7 million is what Jock is signing with the Cubs. Oh, that's right, that's right. <laughs> Upgrade over Kyle Schwarber for what it's worth. I agree. All right. So is there any other topics real quick, whether it's Dodgers or around major league baseball, you guys wanted to just touch on real quick. Otherwise we can talk about the, where we stand with what, where, uh, where we stand with the season starting on time, what the president had to say, the negotiations, et cetera. I mean, okay. I'll throw out a question for you guys. Let's say the, the, the Mets, sign trevor bauer who is the biggest threat to the dodgers in the national league the padres the mets the braves who do you got it's the mets and their offense is suspect but when you have a rotation of jacob de carlos carrasco probably noah Syndergaard by the time the playoffs were all around and now trevor bauer stroman and stroman and they have a good bullpen too they added trevor may uh they still have Edwin Diaz and I think Familia, but regardless that pitching staff can hold probably any offense. I don't even know if the Dodgers can overcome that talented of a pitching staff. I I'm, I think the Mets uh, are an interesting team, uh, but they, but again, they're one of these teams where it's like, they're the Mets. So let's just see what happens during the season because we don't know, you know, they, they tend to, like the Padres, they tend to like to spend big in the off season, and then it doesn't it doesn't always pan out during the regular season. But, but Jake, unlike the Padres, the Mets have won World Series and they've been to one recently. That is true. That is true. But I just think in in the recent past, um, the fact that the Mets uh, continually try, I mean, they tried it. What it, it looked like they were going to be decent when they traded for uh, Robinson Cano and Edwin Diaz and that never, and that never panned out. So I'm going to, I'm a wait and see kind of guy on the Mets, but I wouldn't count the Braves out. Honestly, just the way that the Braves played the Dodgers in the NLCS and they weren't fully healthy. Um, they didn't have their full strength of their starting rotation. And, you know, they gave us a run for our money. They put us down three, one. Uh, now, the Dodgers are, are obviously are the best team in baseball and we're able to overcome that. But I think that the Braves, you know, will, will be stronger next year. And um, I think they're going to be the biggest threat to us. And behind them is the Cardinals. So what you're ranking Braves and then Cardinals. Sorry. 
Braves, Mets, then Cardinals. Cardinals ahead of the Padres. Yeah, I don't believe the Padres. Okay. Well, on that, you know, so on that topic, I still think the Padres. I, I do. Your number one is the Padres. Yeah, I do. Uh, in terms of the Mets, even if they get Bauer, you know, it would scare me, but the Grom right-handed, Syndergaard right-handed, Bauer right-handed, Stroman right-handed, uh, Carrasco right-handed. Right-handers don't scare me in terms of the Dodgers. They don't. Uh, Padres, they got Snell. Who knows if uh, Lamette is healthy, but they got him. Darvish, I think, is going to have a decent year. I still think he's a little bit washed up. Uh, but that Padres offense isn't a joke. Uh, and I, I think the Padres, you know, I think they got a little taste of what the playoffs looked like last year. I think that experience is going to help them. Do I think they're going to beat the Dodgers? No. Uh, but I think they are the biggest threat to the Dodgers ahead of the Mets, even with Bauer, with the Braves and the Mets being on about the same tier for me. And you'd rank the Cardinals behind those teams. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, I, I mean, who knows where Oz- Ozuna is going to sign? Is, that's, is why I'm, that's why I'm down on the Braves because they don't have yeah. Ozuna just yet. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, we'll see how the rest of the market shapes up, and then we'll give our final predictions in just a few weeks. But, yeah, so I just mentioned, you know, the players, they don't want to start the season late. They rejected a 154-game um, altered schedule with the DH and expanded postseason play. Right now, as it stands, the season is going to start on time. There is going to be no universal DH, and there will be no expanded postseason. So I think that's kind of altered the Dodgers' plans a little bit. If they were counting on that DH, that obviously took them out of runnings like Nelson Cruz and Ozuna, Mm -hmm. and even maybe Turner. It's hurting them giving him that extra year just because so much uncertainty right now. But, you know, with the president just suggesting today he would like to see the season start maybe a month late, do you still think baseball is going to start on time or do you think it'll be delayed and what's the right call? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that report is taken with a grain of salt. It was the New York, New York post, which is basically a tabloid at this point. Uh, all it said is the, his administration would prefer it delayed a month. Uh, and the article detailed to go in saying players, you know, the players union is just like, Nope. Uh, so we're going to get baseball on time, barring anything, you know, crazy with, with testing or, or, something determined by baseball itself. Uh, I don't think the government is going to get involved here. You got NBA playing with fans indoors. You got this NFL playing the whole year. Nothing's going to slow baseball down except baseball itself. Yeah. And with, with, with Biden making those comments, um, obviously they want to delay it so that they can, you know, get the, get as many players and people vaccinated as possible. And obviously the owners want to delay it because they want to put fans in the stands and, you know, hopefully, hopefully that can get done regardless of whether they start on time or not. But yeah, it's, it, you know, it's, it's getting, I mean, it's getting ugly. It has been ugly between the, the players union and the owners and uh, the, the players had the leverage here um, because if they do nothing, the season starts on time. They didn't want expanded playoffs, although it doesn't really make that much sense why they wouldn't want it because it then it creates more opportunities for players that are on these fringe teams to get into the playoffs and, and potentially make more money by getting into the playoffs. So I don't really understand why, what the pushback on there about that is only to say that I think that the, uh, the owners have, have kind of done some bad faith negotiating, whether it's they're, you know, talking to the, the networks about, you know, possibly expanded playoffs before talking to the players union. And I think that the players are rubbed the wrong way on that. Um, but I think 
what, what should happen and, and what shouldn't have been attached to this expanded playoffs thing is the universal DH because everybody wants that. Uh, the players want it. The owners want it. Uh, to some degree, the fans want it. Um, it, makes, it makes sense for the National League to have the DH in terms of preserving injuries, prolonging careers, opening up the free agent market to more, to more players. Um, I just think that that should have just been like settled and that, you know, would, should have been settled by itself. And then you can work out the rest of the other details later. Yeah. Good stuff. David, congratulations. Blake Trinan is returning to the Dodgers. We had to get that in there because it's been a while. It has been a while. How excited are you that he is back? I'm thrilled, uh, mostly for him, but also for me uh, on a personal side of things. That's basically the only reason people follow me on Twitter uh, is for the meme. Uh, I think he's a you know <laughs> phenomenal reliever, but I'm I'm just thrilled I get to carry on the legacy for another two years. Uh, they needed him. They did. They did. They needed to keep trying for sure. Uh, he was he was the missing piece. Obviously, Mookie Betts was the missing piece. Uh, but when you look back at the failed runs of the World Series. They didn't really have a Blake Trinan. Brandon Morrow was the closest thing they had. And that was all they had. Literally the only guy they had who could, who could do what Blake Trinan did. And Dave Roberts knew it and he ran him into the ground. Uh, also welcome back Brandon Morrow to the Dodgers. Happy to have you back as well. Uh, but Trinan was the, was the missing piece in, in terms of a, a, a pitcher. He was uh, I'm happy. He got his ring. Uh, he got a new dog and uh, he's back with the Dodgers and uh, stay tuned. Also, we may have something for you in a future episode. Blake Trinan and Corey Knable are going to be the most awesome duo this upcoming season. I don't, I don't have a nickname coin just yet. You know, I, this is giving me shades of the Bash Brothers. It might be bigger than McGuire and Conseco. We'll see. But I think those two are about to be a force out of the bullpen for at least the next year. I mean, the, bull, the bullpen looks great. I, I mean, you've got uh, Gratterall with another year, Victor Gonzalez with another year under their belts, uh, Knable, you know, you don't know if, what you're going to get, you know, health-wise from him, but if you get anything, he's good. If he's going to be, if he's healthy, he's going to be good. Um, and Morrow, again, same, same kind of deal. Like what, what are you going to get from, from those guys? I, I think the bullpen looks really, really good this year. And who knows, maybe Tommy Conley will come back in september from his uh tommy john you never know that would be yeah nice too. well with valentine's day just around the corner heartbreak is also a very common denominator with that nice segue kevin so we have a fun little subject that we've been waiting to share and it's the five biggest dodgers heartbreaks that we've all experienced over our lifetimes so i'm gonna go first and i'm just gonna read them quick and you guys can interject at any point So my number five, I'm sure you guys have this too, so I won't analyze it, but 2019 when Dave Roberts brought Clayton Kershaw back out for that eighth inning and then he gave up two consecutive home runs, that really hurt. My number four, going a little different here, 2009, throwing it back then, Jimmy Rollins hitting a walk-off two-run double with two outs against the famous Jonathan Broxton. This is going to be my only one involving the Phillies. And this one hurt the most because yeah, 2008 sucked, but honestly, I think Philadelphia was the better team. Not in 2009. We were the better team. We had the best record in the national league. Andre Ethier was on a tear. Clayton Kershaw was getting more experience. And there we are again, losing to the Phillies 
this one hurt because that put the Philadelphia Phillies up three games to one. And then I think game five was just a wipeout. So that sucked. Game, or sorry, number three. This is my 2017 game five moment. It's going to be when Kenta Maeda gave up a three run home run to Jose Altuve with two outs. This one really sucked because a lot of people seem to blame Clayton Kershaw for the meltdown, but Kershaw had only given up four runs and there were two outs. Dodgers retook the lead six to four. All Maeda had to really do was get Altuve out. Instead, he gives up that three-run bomb, which really hurt Kershaw's legacy. Houston takes a 7-6 lead, and the rest is history in that game. Number two, this one really stung. 2014, game four, NLDS in St. Louis against the Cardinals. (sighs) You know, Clayton Kershaw, game one was really brutal and all. You know, Madeline left him out too long. But this game, Kershaw was absolutely dealing he had an insane amount of strikeouts the Dodgers couldn't go to the bullpen because they didn't have any options all they had was Jansen so Mattingly chose to ride Kershaw lefty on lefty against Matt Adams hits that three on home run that's the game right there in the seventh inning and then number one this one just killed me 2018 World Series game four Rich Hill absolutely filthy untouchable Roberts gives him the hook for Scott Alexander. Alexander walks Moreland or something. And then Ryan Madsen comes in. It was gives, Moreland who hit the home. You're right. More, yes, you're right. Moreland hits the three on home run off Madsen. I knew the series is over that moment. And I didn't even watch the next game. If I'm being honest, I knew we, this was a three, one scenario where we were done. I had never been more pissed in my entire life. And I was just devastated. All right, so my list starts where yours ends, Kevin. And the reason I picked these uh, moments are, are have to do with the fact that they made me physically ill after they happened. And so the 2018 World Series Game 4 is one of those moments. And I'll just add a couple of things on there. So the one thing that really uh, bothers me about this moment is what happened before Rich Hill got taken out of the game. Yasiel Puig hit a mammoth home run in the bottom of the sixth to, to give the Dodgers a 4-0 lead. They were up 1-0 at that point, and he hit a three-run shot. And the videos that we've seen after that are is, is, is the fact that Kobe Bryant was right behind Yasiel Puig, and it's this unbelievable moment of Kobe throwing his hands in the air the same moment that Puig does. And, you know, after the, after the death of, of Kobe Bryant, that – video was circulating around and what bothers me most about it is the fact that like while an incredible moment it was I knew exactly what happened after that and it was devastating and so that's what really hurts me about this thing more than more than it would normally but Rich Hill mentioned to Dave Roberts in the you know before he went back out there for the seventh that he that Roberts should watch watch him you know that he should you know keep an eye on him for whatever reason and uh, I guess it got mis- you know, miscommunication there or something um, because yeah. Rich Hill walks the first batter, then he strikes out uh, the next batter. And then for some reason, Roberts goes and gets him, takes him out and brings in Scott Alexander, who walks a batter. One thing I just want to add real quick, since we're on the same, we're, we're talking about this that I forgot to mention. So the two World Series, 2017 and 2018, I was actually in San Diego both those years because we had like this tradition where I hang out with my friends and do breweries. So when Yasiel Puig hit that home run, 
I think I was, I was at a brewery on the TV and, you know, my like heart just went huge. Like this is ecstatic. And then I was getting dinner at a, a nearby Mexican restaurant and I could see the game on the TV far away. And that's when the meltdown happened. And I literally slammed my fist on the table. I think my drink tipped over, like the chips went flying and I was, I, yeah. I was just yeah. done. And and <laughs> on top of that too is the is the fact that the Dodgers had won game three, the 18 inning game, which I was at, and I stayed all the way to the end, saw Max Muncie hit the walk-off home run. And as you guys know, the playoffs is all about momentum. And so to go into game four and have that huge home run by Puig, you're thinking, okay, we actually have a shot to win this World Series and maybe we upset the Red Sox. Who knows if they win game four, what happens in game five and, and so on and so forth. So that is definitely uh, one of the moments that I will uh, never forget. Um, and then the rest of my list, number four, uh, the Matt Adams home run off Kershaw in uh, the 2014 NLDS game four. Unfortunately for Kershaw, he was cruising. Uh, and then he gives up two uh, back-to-back base hits. And, um, and the rest is history. And uh, unfortunately, I actually uh, sided with Don Mattingly in that moment to leave Kershaw in because you're thinking, oh, he could probably get Matt Adams out lefty on lefty. He hangs a curveball and uh, the rest is history there. Um, Number three on the list is um, stairs deep into the night. Uh, Matt stairs in the 2008 NLCS game four. Um, The, the, everybody remembers that home run, but what I forgot about when I was looking this up is the fact that the Dodgers actually had a 5-3 lead in the top of the eighth. And Corey Wade, if you remember him, gave up a two-run home run to Shane Victorino to tie the game. And Matt Stairs' home run was the two-run home run to pull the Phillies ahead. Yeah, that's why why it was a little less painful for me. It was both. The whole inning was painful. (laughs) Um, And Philly's friends, uh, a friend of mine who's a Phillies fan, you know, will constantly re- remind me of, of that Matt Stairs moment. Um, number two for me is the 2019 NLDS uh, game five. Uh, we've touched on that a bunch on this podcast. It's still, until the Dodgers won the World Series in 2020, that was the moment that was just, you know, eating away at me inside. And so I'm so happy that they won this year because I, I can, you know, now look back on that moment without you know, so much disgust. It was pretty terrible. Everything that happened, uh, not only the, the the Kershaw thing, but the fact that Joe Kelly gave up a grand slam to former Dodger Howie Kendrick. Um, that to me was just the, the most debilitating thing. Um, and then my number one, two most painful moments. Uh, Kevin, you touched on game five of the 2017 World Series. Another game I was at, um, that was the most painful thing. Uh, Kershaw essentially giving up a four-run lead and then a three-run lead because Maeda gives up that bomb to Altuve, the back and forth. Um, But the other game that killed me in that series was not game seven, but game two uh, with with Kenley Jansen. And that was the moment that that Kenley Jansen sort of started to decline. It was right after that game. Never been the same. The year since then, exactly, has never been the same after that moment. Um, The Dodgers... After Corey Seager hit that dramatic two-run home run off of Verlander in the sixth to break the 1-1 tie, they have a 3-1 lead in the eighth. 
Roberts turns to Jansen, which we know historically he's not, a, he's not good when he has to pitch more than one inning. Um, he inherits a base runner from Brandon Morrow, gives up an RBI single to Carlos Correa. Okay, they're still up by one. Jansen goes back out there for the ninth. The first batter of the ninth inning, Marvin Gonzalez, ties it up at three. And then just everything that happened after that, because Josh Fields, who was famously uh, traded for Jordan Alvarez, uh, gives up back-to-back -back home runs in the 10th to Altuve and Correa. Then they go up 5-3. But then the Dodgers come back and tie it. They come back and tie it, and it's 5-5. And then all of a sudden, uh, here comes Brandon McCarthy because Roberts blew <laughs> the entire bullpen out. Oh, and boy. Brandon McCarthy was the only one left. He comes in in the 11th. Should have never been on the roster. I knew we were screwed at that moment. He gives up a two-run shot to George Springer. And even though Culberson came back in the next inning with a solo shot, it wasn't enough. And had the Dodgers been able to pull out either game two or game five, which they could have won either of those, they win the World Series. And you don't even have the debacle of you Darvish in game seven. The Josh Fields incident is literally the first time I've ever, I've ever seen on live television where a man's soul, you like literally see it coming out yeah. of a man's body in slow motion. He was dead yep. from that moment on in time. I, I vividly remember his his head. He his head was up, and then it was just down, and that that was the moment. Yeah. And the thing about Josh Fields is that like he wasn't awful, but he was he was bad when it counted most, and and that to me was just a, a horrible yeah. horrible moment. And totally opposite and of Hatcher. To blow up your bullpen like that in game two was like uh, I couldn't couldn't wrap my head around it. What about you, David? Yeah, I mean, you guys have all said all of mine, but I'll, I'll just, you know, I'm going to reiterate the Matt Adams Cardinals one crushing Matt stairs crushing, but my top two for sure was game seven of the 2017 world series. That first inning when you Darvish just couldn't get it done was so demoralizing. They were just one game away for the first time in my life uh, and poof, just like that. But the number one, soul crusher for me and this isn't even close and it wasn't in the world series was 2019 nlds when dave roberts let clayton kershaw die against anthony rendon and juan soto in the eighth inning yep uh i have never experienced anything like that when it was you could you knew it was going to happen before it happened he got eaten did his job and I've said, I've used this analogy before. Dave Roberts sent the cow out there to, to die. He sent him out for slaughter. Uh, and that was the most heartbreaking moment as a, as a Dodger fan, you, for you know sure, what, for me. You know what bothers me most about that moment, or not maybe most, but like it's up there, is the fact that not only did the Dodgers um, like essentially telegraph that, that, that Kershaw was going to come out of the bullpen, which why would you? Yeah, yeah, that? yeah. You know what I mean? Not only that. That was the game plan. They didn't have to bring him out of the bullpen. They had a good enough bullpen. And they brought in Kenta Maeda, two batters too late after uh, Rendon and Soto hit back-to-back -back home runs. And they never used Choleric. And, 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 and mind you, this is before the three-batter minimum. So you could have used Choleric to get Soto out, and then you bring in Maeda. Not yet. To mention, Caleric had basically sunned Juan Soto that entire series. Like it, he exactly. was his, he was his father at that point in time. <laughs> yes, that that to me was the the most egregious managerial uh, decision making I've ever seen. Agreed, and that's why it's the most frustrating for me. 
Yeah, I mean, that was just the the cherry on top. It was like, wow, Dave Roberts finds new innovative ways to lose big games. But that's why we talked about the heartbreak because 2020 finally went the Dodgers way. And, you almost know, didn't. <laughs> it almost didn't. No, that's true. <laughs> funny enough, Jake said that the Brave series was going to be a cakewalk. It's always funny to, when I listen to that. And then I'm like, oh, well, that was. Can I just throw a disclaimer out there? <laughs> My predictions are awful. I, I honestly have the worst predictions. So you can listen to me on a lot of other things, but my predictions are historically bad. So I, I am sorry out there, everyone that 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 re- remembers that take. Kevin obviously does. Yeah, if you're a gambler, I guess just fade Jake's picks. <laughs> yeah, 2020 was like my perfect year. So I'm sure this year is going to be a disaster for me, hopefully for Jake's sake. But I am um, a really good in-game manager though. Like, yeah, I, that's, you know. The three That's of true. us, I think, are because we're able to, we're able to see those moves before they happen. I don't know if you guys have been keeping up with MLB's top lists, but I just wanted to throw out one real quick that I had a major issue with. The Shredder oh. ranked Corey Seager the sixth best shortstop in baseball right now. What an atrocity. I mean, the man probably over the entire 2020 season, when you include the postseason, had the most home runs, the most RBIs. I know he hits a lot of doubles. He, he was hitting the ball harder than anyone else. Defensively, yeah, I know he's not the best, but he's solid. He doesn't cost his team certainly anything. And the man was the NLCS MVP and World Series MVP. And you rank him six? Unbelievable. <laughs> that's, the, that's the highest pitch I've ever heard your voice go, Kevin. You are, <laughs> you are so upset about this. And I agree because it, it, that is egregious. Yeah, well... We were hoping to break some Bauer news and we almost had it. Bob Nightingale came a little too early though, because he apparently was wrong. That what was that Kevin? His info came early <laughs> that uh, Trevor Bauer and the Mets agreed to a deal when M- Mark Feinstein is saying, hold your horses, not there just yet. But I mean, it's looking like Bauer and the Mets is inevitable at this point, but we'll see. This day is very important to me because exactly a year ago, and I was hoping Freeman would do something to honor this day, the Dodgers and the Red Sox had made an agreement to acquire Mookie Betts, though the trade didn't become official just yet. This is when the bomb dropped. It, it changed the entire scope of the Dodgers organization and what they were doing this entire offseason because they had been pretty quiet up to this point. But obviously, Mookie Betts has been a game changer and couldn't be more thrilled to have him for another 12 years or so yeah i love seeing all the uh the cold takes online of people saying like (laughs) oh this is a bust and like you know dodgers are gonna regret this and like you know you know carabas saying you know uh enjoy him for 60 games or 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 there was a there was a moment actually where we thought we weren't gonna see mookie Betts play because we didn't know if we were gonna have a season or not but uh, I just, you know, it makes all those cold takes just feel so warm inside. Um, thinking about Mookie Betts leading this team to the first World Series championship in 32 years. And we've, and like Kevin mentioned, we got him for another, you know, decade plus. And uh, that's why the Dodgers are in the perfect position that they're in uh, of not having to go out and make ridiculous moves and not have to do anything out of desperation the best right fielder in baseball per the shredder. Oh, now we like the shredder, huh? But who, but we don't who like had, the shredder, but who had Juan Soto ahead of, 
Oh, all three um, boneheaded analysts that work for MLB Network or whatever oh it is. Oh, God. These lists are all stupid. I don't know why. I mean, they just do it to stir up, you know, attention. So I don't pay Don't pay attention to these things. It's like debating, uh, you know, if you like pineapple on pizza or something. Hey, it's elite. It's delicious. Well, that's oh, my point because it's gross. But no. we're, this, is, this is perfect for my point here. <laughs> pineapple can go on any... No, Anything. no, we're not doing this. We're okay. not doing this. All right, we're, we're getting towards the end of the show now. I, I've covered everything I want to talk about. Is there anything else you guys wanted to cover real quick? I think that's it. I mean, I think the Dodgers are going to be just fine. They don't need Bauer. They kind of need Turner. I think they're going to end up t- with Turner. But uh, I'm excited for spring training. Two weeks, pitchers, pitchers report. I'm excited. Hopefully I can get out there for – you know, see it live. It'd be great. Haven't been to a, you know, any kind of a sports game in about a year since basically last spring training. So we'll see. Looking forward to it. Yeah, exactly. Um, I am going to be excited again for this season. You know, like we've been saying, the Dodgers, you know, don't need to really make any big splashes. Um, You know, having Bauer would be, I mean, that would be an insane rotation uh, to have him, but they, they don't need him to run it back. And so that's a pretty great place to be. Pretty great place to be. Um, and uh, yeah, let's you know go Dodgers. Yeah, we're gonna close out the show by honoring the legacy of a few men real quick. Rest in peace. We've lost Don Sutton, Larry King, big Dodger fan, and Tommy Lasorda, all in the last month. But you know, all three of them were very important to the Dodgers organization. They all did big things. I mean, Lasorda's probably the biggest Dodger fan there ever, there's ever been. I think he's been affiliated with the organization for 70-plus years. So just, you know, I respect the man deeply. Great manager, Hall of Fame guy. Glad his number is retired. And, you know, the respect that he's been going to all the Dodger games even into his late, into his late 80s and 90s. Yeah, and one more. Uh, Sandy Scully, Vin Scully's wife, uh, also mm-hmm. passed away. So thinking of Vin, even though it was a couple weeks ago still. Um, I also would like to just add uh, real quick um, that uh, depending on when you, whenever you listen to this, obviously the news flies fast, but uh, Rachel Luba, who is Trevor Bauer's agent, quoted her own tweet from a few hours ago where she said down to two, meaning down to two teams uh, vying for Trevor Bauer. She said, apparently this needs a retweet uh, because Bob Nightingale jumped the gun and tweeted that Bauer is going to the Mets. So according to Bauer's agent, there is, there's no deal in place at this point. Bob Nightingale's the best. (laughs) He just takes his shots and just fires no regard for human life. Yeah. No, doesn't need an edit button. As hard as people were on Bob for whatever reason, he was kind of like the Dodgers whisperer in 2020. He, he didn't really miss. I think he predicted they'd win the world series. I think he was all aboard writing articles like this Mookie Betts trade is going to happen. So King Bob for 2020, maybe not 2020. You got to love Bob. You just got to love him. Yeah. All right, everyone. Well, thank you for listening. Make sure to follow us on Twitter. You'll see our handles in the description below. Follow our podcast page at the inclined pod on Twitter. You can follow us on Instagram as well or Facebook. And we're on YouTube too. If you want to see our pretty faces, but the off season is almost over. Thankfully spring training is near. We got some exciting stuff lined up very soon. So you're going to want to check it out, subscribe, rate the show, do all the fun stuff. Uh, if you guys want to plug in your last words, 
we're out. Yeah, just last words. Um, I, I am looking forward to the, for the new season. Um, also, if you want to check out another baseball podcast, I uh, have a baseball podcast called Meeting on the Mound. Uh, so you should check that out. Both Kevin and David were guests of mine on the show. And uh, speaking of Tommy Lasorda, we, we did a tribute episode with Dodgers historian Mark Langell. So if you're interested in some more Dodgers content, we, we have him on. Um, we have uh, also Sean Green and an episode coming up soon with uh, the Athletics' Molly Knight. So uh, for all your Dodgers content, there's a lot there as well. That's a cool job, Dodgers historian. Yeah, and he's really good at it. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. My last words are, I think Bob's right. I do. I think the Mets are going to get Trevor Bauer. Uh, I'm trusting Bob Nightingale here. Uh, but like we said in, earlier in the show, it's not going to matter. Dustin May is primed for a breakout. Tony Gonsolin, David Price, Josiah Gray, they're all ready to go. So don't be mad you didn't get Bauer. We're going to be just fine. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.